I'll tell you that I remember the conversations on a Friday night. This is now after we got married. We would be painting a new house or drywalling a new place. And I would say to my husband, wow, our friends are out partying on a Friday night and here we are. And we would always remind ourselves we're working hard right now for a couple of years so that later on in life, in our 40s, now we're in our 40s, we don't have to. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to The Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. I'm really excited for you to listen to today's episode because I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine, Miriam Laundrie. And she is a author of children's books and owns a publishing house, which teaches you and then publishes your children's book. How cool is that? So many people have it on their bucket list to write a children's book. And that's one reason why people do it. But as you're going to hear in this episode, there's other cool reasons. Like it can actually be part of your marketing plan and it can help you get new customers. I mean, this is a a way of marketing that I didn't even think about before. And she explains how that works. Plus, it's a heck of a side hustle can create a really cool passive income for you. So a lot of reasons to dig into today's episode. You're actually going to hear where she and I were at Disney together. And that's because she is in our elite mastermind. She was in it last year. She's renewed to be in it this next year. And what's really cool is, you know, totally unsolicited. She talks about what it's done for her. And that felt good to, to hear that from my perspective. We are filling those spots fast and furious right now for 2023. So if you're going to make over 500 grand, definitely go to chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind and go check it out and fill out your application right away so you and I can jump on Zoom if you qualify and see if you're going to be a good fit for that room. Again, spots are filling really quick. More than half the people renewed from last year. So there's not many spots for me to fill and I've already got so many good applications. So literally rush over, don't wait. Hit pause if you want rush over to chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind, check it out, fill out the app. If you qualify, I'm going to jump on Zoom with you and we're going to see if you're a perfect fit for that room because every year I curate a room where my promise is that everything you need to hit your your big audacious business goals in 2023 will be in that room or one introduction away. So go check it out, chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind or just DM me on Instagram, we can start talking about it. All right, guys, get ready, listen up. Because Miriam has an incredible story of entrepreneurship, doing what she loves, and it's really going to inspire you. Miriam, my friend, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Chris? I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited to have you on the show. This is like Everybody getting a glimpse into the one to two hours we spent standing in line at Disney together, you know, talking about our, 
our entrepreneurial journeys and all the cool things you've done and, and all that stuff. So super excited to, to kind of bring it to everybody to, to eavesdrop and to listen in because you have a really cool story. Chris, that was so much fun. It wasn't even about the Star Wars, right? It was about the company we had and the great conversations we were having. I totally agree. Like who knew that standing in line could be so much fun? And that was part of the design. So if you guys are listening, you're like, what in the world are they talking about? Like, why were they at Disney? Miriam is in my elite mastermind and she is just an incredible member in there. And we took all the members to Disneyland as a team building slash bonding thing. And they had strategic questions to ask each other in line and the whole nine yards. That's what we're referring to. And when we're in line, I learned a couple of really cool things about Miriam. Now, don't get me wrong. This episode is going to be all about how she built this, this empire out of helping people publish children's books and bringing children's books to lives and impacting over a million children and all the cool things. But Miriam has been an entrepreneur since day one, since, like, since she was in college. And so Miriam, if you don't mind, I'd love to kind of back up before we get to the whole children book empire talk and start out with that story. Is that cool with you? Yes, of course. Yes. So you're referring to when I was 19, my boyfriend at the time was 22 and we were pretty serious into our relationship. We knew we were going to get married in a couple of years. And he came to me and he said, I want to buy a piece of real estate. I want to buy a home and let's do this together. Let's rent the rooms out to university students. We were going to college at the time. And I said, yes, because it sounded like a great idea. We went to the bank. The bank didn't think it was a great idea. <laughs> they thought <laughs> we should focus on finishing our education and then go back to them when we were finished. But that was just a little bit of fuel for my now husband. And he said, no, we have to find a way. He asked them, so how can we buy a house at this age? And they said, okay, you have to put in a larger down payment. So that summer... Uh, well, I should say he had saved up through his teen years to buy a really nice car. We sold his car. And then that summer, we both had three jobs to come up with this down payment. But that was enough to purchase our first home, which we rented out to students and got paid. We rented it out to groups, I should say. And then our goal was every year to buy a new home to rent out and to live off the cash flow. So we continued to do that for many, many years. And that's how we started in real estate. Since then, we've we've started selling things off and playing Monopoly, if you will, selling five houses and buying, for us, it's an apartment building. And really, that has allowed us the freedom that we always wanted. We used to sit around, just like you and Lori, go out for walks. We would go for walks or sit at a cafe and dream of the life that we wanted. Before we even had children, we knew that we wanted to have the freedom to be home with them, to be able to go to their school events, to any event that they had and not be tied down by a job. So that's, I mean, I love real estate. That's something that has helped my family immensely. So that's the conversation that we were having, standing, waiting for the Star Wars ride at Disneyland. It's such a good story because, and there's so many things I want to unpack in there. We could just end the podcast here and people would learn the value of sacrifice and hard work and calling your shot, making it happen, and asking better questions. I mean, let me break this down a minute. You went to the bank, said, hey, we would love to buy a home. They said, eh, go finish school first. But then your first step, instead of taking no for an answer, is you said, well, if we had to do it, what would we have to do to qualify? And they said, well, go back and come back with a 25% down payment. To a couple of college kids, by the way, which seems probably impossible. They probably never expected to, to see you come back. 
But sure enough, then the next lesson in here is your then boyfriend, now husband, literally sells the car that he saved up for so long for. I'm sure he probably loved that thing. Yes. So that he could get part of the down payment. And on top of that, you guys each worked three jobs while in college. Do I have that right? Three jobs each while in college. Well, we, it was the summer and then we started college again in September. And then we had jobs when school started. But yes, we were always working back then. Okay. I'm, the reason why I'm just so passionate about this whole story is right now we live in a time full of too many complainers. And I'm sure I'll get flack for saying that. And right now we live in a time where people are too entitled. And right now we live in a time where people aren't willing to do the gritty stuff, the hard, and I don't mean all people, by the way, I'm not drawing a broad stroke of the brush here, but too many people are not willing to do what you guys did, part with the car they saved up for, work the three jobs, do all those things just for a couple of years so that they can then create the backdrop to a life full of freedom and security and wealth that you guys have been able to do that then allows you to go do the other cool stuff. Yeah, Chris, and, I, and I'll tell you that I remember the conversations on a Friday night. This is now after we got married, we would be painting a new house or drywalling a new place. And I would say to my husband, wow, our friends are out partying on a Friday night and here we are. And we would always remind ourselves we're working hard right now for a couple of years so that later on in life, in our 40s, now we're in our 40s, we don't have to. Oh, and that statement right there. If you're if you're in your teens and you hear that, that's an advantage. If you're in your 20s and you hear that, please take note. If you're in your 30s or 40s and you hear that, listen to what she's saying. She's saying, when we were about 20, we knew we could have massive freedom in our 40s. That means if you're 40 right now, you can still have massive freedom in your 60s. Like, it's not too late if you're willing to do, the, you know, put the work in that you did, Miriam. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm sorry to get so excited about it, but it's just such a good message. We can end it right there and there's enough value. But I do want to fast forward to today now because 25 years later or 26 years later, I know yesterday was your 24th year anniversary married. How cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It goes by fast. Such a big milestone. So, you know, today, here we are 25 years later-ish, and you're known as the incredible woman who helps people bring their children's books to life and get them published. And I know when you and I were chatting, you've helped over 50 books get published, over 50 children's books get published that were once just somebody's dream. Is that right? That's right. That's so exciting. When you say it like that, it's just, it's so cool. (laughs) It's amazing. Congratulations. That's no small feat. You know, I've told you before, but I'm shocked. I'm shocked at the number of people that have writing a children's book on their bucket list that volunteer it to me and or or we talk about it in passing. I mean, this is a big group of people out there, whether it's because they want to do it as a business or they want to leave a legacy message to their children. A lot of people want to do this, don't they? Yes, they do. I think that's exactly why. A lot of times we think of, or at least for me, that's how it started. I kept thinking there's so much great information out there. I was actually sitting, when I got the idea of writing a children's book, I was sitting at a conference. It was a taught by Jack Canfield, the Chicken Soup for the Soul author, and he was teaching the success principles. And I just, I remember thinking that week there, this is amazing. It's all about goal setting, about letting go of our limiting beliefs, about deciding what we want, calling our shots, 
all of those great things. But I kept thinking, wow, had I learned this when I was a child, where would my life be? And I had four young children at home. So on the flight home, I decided I was going to take a little bit of that, the information that I wanted to pass on to them and put it in a children's book. Because we can't just, I mean, we shouldn't just sit and give them a lecture. They've been taught all day at school. (laughs) They want something entertaining. So I thought I'm going to hide that message in a story. And that's what got me writing my first draft. It was on that flight back. And I think a lot of people want to do just that. They have a message that they want to share. They wish they would have learned when they were younger. You also said maybe it is a business also that they that they want to branch out into or use the book for their own business. So there are many reasons why people want to write a children's book. Miriam, you said something that I kind of want to unpack. You know, you said this idea came to you years ago when you were in a an event that Jack Canfield, you know, the, the famous celebrity author who is the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, that whole series of books, among many other things. You know, you were in one of his workshops, and that's where the idea came to you. And now today, most people don't know this. He partners with you on a lot of your book launch workshops. Can you talk to us about how how you were able to work out such a partnership with a celebrity author like that? Because that's a really cool thing. Where'd that come from? Yeah, that is so cool. I mean, that was, uh, I had my full circle moment when we published our first children's book together. But I'm going to go back and tell you a little bit more. So I was at that conference. Then I signed up for another one of his trainer. It's, they're basically masterminds where you're, you're learning about so many things. And he had us write our big, hairy, audacious goal. And this was impactful for me because during that time, I had just lost my niece to suicide. And I, I really wanted to empower children. So I wrote down, I wanted to empower a hundred thousand children to believe in themselves. And that was a, a scary, scary goal. Cause it, that was a big number for me, but it forced me to think bigger. And I decided I was going to go for a Guinness world record. I achieved that record. And then I continued to email Jack. He would not reply back, but I would say, this is what I'm doing. I am going for this goal. I'm going for this empowering 100,000 children. And I would just send updates. I would just send emails, no reply, but that was fine. And then when I got the record, of course, I let him know. And for my fourth book, I had the idea of asking him to co-author the book with me because I'm teaching things in my children's books that I have learned from him. And I was very, very surprised that as soon as I sent him the email, he said yes. So he had never answered. And all of a sudden I said, this is what this book is about. It was The Big Bad Bully, my fourth book. I believe that we should do this together. Let me know if you're interested. And he said yes. So that was my full circle moment when we got to publish that book. Miriam, that is such a cool story. And again, I want to unpack something very important in there. By the way, you are just a walking, talking inspiration. But what I want to unpack in there is your your consistency, your tenacity. You didn't email him once and you know not hear back and build a story like, oh, well, it's not going to happen and stop. You didn't email him twice and say, oh, well, it's not going to happen and stop. You didn't email three times and stop. You kept going in a very appropriate way. Just, hey, here's a cool update heading towards this world record. Hey, here's a cool update, broke the world record. And by the way, we're going to ask about that world record in a minute, but you were able to stay in front of him consistently, even though you were not getting feedback. And that's where most people would quit. And then it turned into a really cool partnership. I really want to commend you on that. And that that is a story. That is an example for everybody listening to follow. 
Hmm. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. So tell us about this world record. What was the world record that you were trying to set that got you into the Guinness Book of World Records? Yes. So the goal was to empower a lot of children. And the record that I have is the largest online book discussion in a 24-hour period. So wow. I, in the end, I had 103,000 people reading the book and then going online and leaving a quick comment. It was geared towards children. Tell us something you can do after reading my I Can Believe in Myself book. And oh my goodness, like I... To think of all the messages we got, I can ride my bike without training wheels. I can ace my math test. I can, oh. you know, make the make the hockey team. Like all these incredible messages of children who thought they couldn't do something, but all of a sudden they they can, they could because of this book. So that's the record that we have. It was a lot, a lot of work. Like everything is right. Anything that's important is going to require some work. We had some hiccups. They, uh, the Guinness adjudicator came to my town. He couldn't register because we had so many people sending in their blogs. In the end, I think 33 or 38,000 comments were registered, but 103,000 people left comments. And we were able to empower that many children. So it was really, really cool, really fun. A lot of work. <laughs> Miriam, that is the coolest thing ever. And you've actually gone on now to quantifiably have an impact on over 1 million children simply yes. through children's books. Unpack that for me a little bit. Yes. Yeah. I have five children's books myself and, you know, it's really hard to quantify, but that record helped us start us off. And then now with over 50 books that my company is publishing for different authors, we figure that we have reached over a million children already. So it's not just my books. Now it's 50 other authors who are out there spreading their message, impacting children. And all of our books are all about inspiring and empowering children. So that Does that ever sink in? Does that ever well, sink in? That's crazy. <laughs> Chris, it was just recently that my that my team figured out that number. And when I heard it, I just, that's pretty cool. And that's just really cool because I wanted to empower children and we're doing that. I think empowering any human is important, but when you can empower children, you're getting to them early and you're shaping mm -hmm. how they see the world. And what you have done through using the tool of children's books is nothing short of, of remarkable, of of world changing. And I don't use that word lightly because if you change a million kids for the better, the trickle down effect from that is going to be 2 million, then 4 million, then 8 million, right? As they yeah. start to grow and interact with people. So mm -hmm. look at how you're moving the needle by writing children's books and helping people do it. Thank you, Chris. And I'll tell you why I focus on children's books and especially children's picture books. So those are for children four to eight years old. I read a study that shared that children by the age of eight or nine will have already made up their minds about who they are in the world and where they fit. They've already made up their minds about whether they're intelligent or not, whether they're athletic or not, whether they're pretty or good looking or not. So they've already made up their minds and it's harder to change that mind later on. It's not impossible, but why don't we get to them before they reach the age of eight or nine to set them up for success? So that's why I focus on that age group. That is so interesting. As you're saying that, I was picturing myself at that age. And when I look back now, I, I realize, I've never thought about this before. I was already forming some very serious opinions about who I was or who I thought I was 
versus who I wanted to be. Like the insecurities were mm-hmm. already forming at eight, nine, and I can remember them. Isn't that weird? Because it's true. Because it's true, right? We we remember that that's when we started having those doubts, that, that self-doubt, that that bully in our minds. That's when it starts. It's so fascinating. Okay, so let's kind of shift gears a little bit to the business of writing children's books. Everything at the end of the day is a business. Would you say of the 50 books that you've helped other people publish, would you, what percentage of those were people doing because they wanted it to be a small income source? And what percentage were just because they wanted to to get it, you know, a check on the bucket list and get a message out to children? I would say it's probably half. It's probably half. A lot of people feel like when they're they've accomplished that goal. And and I'll tell you, some people come to me and they'll they'll just say, like on Monday I had a call with a lady and I asked her, Why did you book this call? Why do you want to write a children's book? And she said, I just want to feel accomplished. So for her, it was that feeling. Other people, it's because they've had it a goal for 30 years, 40 years. We've had an author we published that wanted to publish her book since she was nine and she published her book at 59. And then there are people that come because they want supplement income or they want to use the book to help them in their business. So they come for many reasons. And the the other person that comes to mind right now is authors Karen and Caitlin. They wanted to access a new market. So Caitlin is an acupuncturist. And her mom wrote her first book with me. And now she was working on her second book with her adult daughter. And they wanted to teach children that acupuncture is not a scary thing that children can have a session. And they wrote a beautiful story about a boy who had his big baseball game and he started feeling the tummy aches and somebody suggested they go to an to see an acupuncturist. And th- the story just shows them that needles are not scary and that this little boy got better and won the game, you know, that sort of idea. So it really depends on what you want to accomplish with your book. I had no idea. I'd never thought before about the concept of writing a children's book as almost a a way of marketing, a way of spreading your message for your existing area of expertise or your existing business. You know, we always just think market to adults, market to adults. But of course it makes sense then to also use it as a marketing tool to maybe start kids early or reach their parents. This is okay. I'm just finding this fascinating because there's so many different facets that I haven't thought about before. Let's talk about the ones that did it for a side hustle or for a small income. What does that look like? What's involved with the cost of bringing one to life? And then what kind of side income could somebody expect to make from a book if they do it the right way? Yes. Okay. So what kind of income can you make from a book? It's not that you're going to make a lot of money off of selling one book, because if you're selling it on Amazon, let's say a $15 book on Amazon is going to give you $5 that you get paid. Amazon gets their cut, the printing costs. So you make $5. If you're selling the book on your website, maybe you're making $10 from that 15. But it's really thinking further than that. What does a children's book bring to you? Well, first of all, it brings credibility and authority, depending on what it is that you're using. So for that example of of Caitlin with her acupuncture business, she has a book now that she could sell to every acupuncturist. She can be selling that at their conferences. She can be invited to speak. Books open up opportunities to speak. For me, it was going into schools and doing workshops with children. And now the schools were paying for me to come and speak for my workshops. 
And I also had my audience right there that I could be selling books by the boxes. I would go to schools and bring one or two boxes of books because that's my audience and parents will do the pre-order. So it really helps with that. You could also use a book to make a difference, right? One of our authors raises thousands of dollars. He gives 100% of the sale of the book, his revenue, to charities in his community. That's how he uses his book. So does that answer your question? There are many ways that a children's book can help. It does. Those are awesome examples. And and I actually want to amplify one of the examples. You know, you said, hey, you don't make much from the book, $5 if you sell it on Amazon. But if somebody were to sell 100 bucks a month, or sorry, 100 books a month, that's making a difference in a lot of children's lives while making an extra $500 a month. And now they write a second book. So now they're making $1,000 a month. Right, you know, yes. three or four books, they could be making up to two thousand dollars a month. That's that's not small. That makes a big difference in the average family's budget. Yes, Chris, you're absolutely right. What I was trying to say is that a book also opens up that extra opportunity. So when I would go to schools, for example, at the end a couple of years ago, I was getting paid eight hundred to a thousand dollars to come in and do a couple of presentations for children. So that's extra income. And then I had the opportunity to sell more books there. So right? if somebody sold, yeah, if somebody sold a hundred books a month and made $500 a month, and then once per month, they got a thousand dollars speaking opportunity at a school because they now have the credibility. I mean, we're talking $1,500 a month because you took the time to write this, this children's book. How long does it take to write a good children's book? Yes, I would say, well, the writing part will take a couple of months because I'll tell you that if you've written a story and you think it's ready to go to to be published, it's not. You need to do a couple of self-edits and then hire a really good editor also. But the whole process of writing, hiring an illustrator will take anywhere from two to four months. Book design phase. For me, every book has taken me about nine months. Some of my authors have done it quicker in seven months and some of them will take a full year. So it really just depends. Some people do it very, very much on the side and they have their full-time job. So it's not something that takes a lot of work. During those months, I would say it's five to 10 hours of work, but it does take a little bit of time because your illustrator is going to need a couple of months to put it all, uh, to put the illustrations together. All right. So it only takes five to 10 hours a month from the author. What slows down the process is now the illustrator has to do the pictures. The editor has to do their editing. The binder has to do their binding. Like those are the things that kind of drag it out to a handful of months. Yes, that's right. But it's very realistic then to say that you could release a new book every year, or if you're a hustler, you could kind of stagger them and maybe have two books a year that come out. Is that fair? I would say one book a year is most fair because you want to make sure, and this is what I tell my authors, that it's a quality children's book. You know, a children's book, although it's anywhere from, 500 to a thousand words. And it may seem like, yes, that's super simple. I can write it today and it's done. Those thousand words really need to be impactful and have to take somebody, a child through the whole story. I don't want to say that it's a difficult thing because all you have to do is learn a couple of things that should be in a children's book and you will be fine and you'll be good to go. But you always want to make sure that you have a quality children's book because you're talking to children. So somebody wants to get started. They hear this, they're excited. What is step one? Well, step one is to start writing. 
you know, don't start editing yourself before you start writing. Number one thing is to just start writing a story. Remember, it has to be under a thousand words. There are a couple of things that you must know. For example, you don't want to be too self-help of, you don't want to have a self-help book for children. So that's a big difference between adult book and children's books. Children's books need to be entertaining first and second, deliver a message. So you want to make sure- Is that where the editor comes in, by the way? Do they help if you get too preachy? Do they help say, hey, go add more story around this? A really good editor will. So you want a developmental editor, not a copy editor at the beginning. So, I mean, that's one of the, the big things about writing for children. But just remember, there's a couple of things you need to know. I have a free training that I'm doing, like you said, with Jack Canfield, which is amazing. And we're going to talk about how to write a picture book children will love, even if you've never written anything before. And we're going to talk about those things that really need to be in children's books. Miriam, how long is the free training? Is it, it's via Zoom, right? It's via Zoom and it's 60 minutes long. Oh my God, that's awesome. So what will they learn in the 60 minutes exactly? Because that seems like a short training for such a cool thing. Yeah, we're going to talk about the five keys in writing effective children's books. So those children's books that children are going to want to read over and over again. Because there's one thing about writing for children. Like as an author, I don't want a child to be read my story once and never pick up that book again. I want my the child to want my book every single night to be that <laughs> annoying to their parents and ask for my book every single night. So you want to make sure that you know those key things that make a children's book really, really enticing and effective and the type of book that children are going to have fun with. So the training is when? It's November 16th and November 17th. We're offering two of them. And you can go to miriamlaundry.com forward slash free training. Very easy. Okay, so it's miriamlaundry.com forward slash free training. And that's laundry just like doing the laundry, right? Yes, think of clean laundry. I love it. So it's Miriam, M-I-R-I-A-M, laundry.com forward slash free training. Is that correct? Yes, thanks, Chris. That's right. I just wanted to make sure that we got the spelling correct there because this is really freaking cool. Like to be able to learn from you, who's helped publish over 50 books, and to be able to learn from Jack Canfield, the legend, like a true legend. Matter of fact, he's how you and my wife met years ago and became such good friends. So what a difference maker he is. That's just a really cool opportunity. And the fact that it's free is is nuts. Yeah. And we'll stay back and answer some questions. Jack is always great for that. That's amazing. Okay. So now talk to me about the person who they hear this opportunity to get the free training and they, they hear that all you got to do is just start writing, but they still get in their own way because we all do, don't we? What yes. usually stops people from writing the book that even though it's on their heart, even though it's on the you know their bucket list, what usually, where did they get stuck? Well, a lot of people get stuck <laughs> with their own mindset, just believing that they they don't know if it's going to work. Sometimes people have even written the story and may stop themselves because they're wondering, what will people say? I'll tell you that that's one of the things that could have stopped me, Chris. I had the story written, but I had never written anything before. I had went to school for business and I thought, oh, what are people going to say that now I'm writing a children's book? But I really mm. focused on why? It's that whole imposter syndrome, right? We get it for everything. Just focus on why you want to write. And for me, like I said, it was losing my niece and wanting to make an impact. I'll tell you a, just a quick story. This is Valerie's story. This is a book that we published just last week. 
And for her, it was all about perseverance. She had been wanting to write a children's book for a long time, but got really sick. And I actually didn't know this until last week when I interviewed her and when her book came out, she shared with me that she almost passed away. She almost died three times, but she knew over the last couple of years, she wanted to make a difference and she wanted to write this book. She talks about holding her phone and talking into her phone, delivering her children's book. And at times she couldn't even hold her phone up. But once she had, she had voiced all of the things that she wanted to say, she told her husband, if anything ever happens to me, promise me that you're going to publish this book. And luckily nothing happened to her and she became a little stronger. She joined one of my programs and she published her book just last week. Um, oh my God. And, oh, she, I mean, I was crying during, during the interview. She was yeah. crying. And she talked about perseverance and believing in yourself. That's what her story is about. It's about a puppy, but this, the, that message comes out because it's buried into the story. But she said, that's what she needed. She needed to believe in herself that she could do this, that she'd be healthy enough to write her book and impact children. And it was perseverance that she had to keep going and she had to keep working on her story. So, and I think that comes up for a lot of us, right? Lack of belief in ourselves or other things come up. If it's important to you, if you want to make a difference, if it's something that you want to accomplish, just make sure that you, you, you focus on that. You put the time and you focus on it. Because time will pass by anyways. Isn't that the truth? It's so interesting that you said, you know, one of the biggest objections that people let get in their way is they think, who am I to write this? Or or will people laugh at my message? Or is my message not good enough? Or is my message the right message? And the truth is, the world needs an awful lot of messages right now. And they need Mm -hmm. different types of people to tell them in different ways, not just one way. And this is, if it's on your heart to write a children's book, I don't care if you only impact 10 kids or 100 kids or 1,000 kids or a million kids. The trickle-down effect of changing somebody when they're young based on your message is crucial. It's crucial. And so if it's on your heart, don't let that part get in your way. Don't let the who am I, don't let the is my message good enough, don't let that stuff get in the way. You know, Be like Miriam, so to speak. Get those mm-hmm. books out there, change the lives, and, and create that trickle-down effect. I want to share the link for the free training with you and Jack Canfield one more time. I'm actually going to text it to my mom and get my mom to get on it because I think she would love to learn how to do this and do this. So what was that link again? It's miriamlaundry.com forward slash free training. No spacing. Miriamlaundry.com forward slash free training. Miriam, any closing words to anybody who's on the fence about writing their children's book? I mean, just do it. Focus on on the receiver, the child that's going to receive that message. And and in closing, Chris, I just want to say thank you. I mean, being in your programs, I I don't know if you remember, but I started off in Fast Foundation. I believe that if you want to grow in life, if you want to achieve any goal, you have to put yourself in the room. You have to become a part of a network of other people also going for their goals. I can go back to every big goal I've, I've achieved and it's because I've been in the room rooms with high achievers. And for Fast Foundations, I started the publishing company. And now in 
the elite entrepreneur, I'm growing this company and I'm growing it at, at a fast pace, I would say. And it's your guidance and the people that you put in the room that have really, really supported me. And mo even more than the support, I have to tell you, I get in those rooms and I think, wow, they're doing that. I can do that too. And that oh, really yeah, it makes it real, it makes it tangible for you. For sure. And I think if I don't know how to do it, they're right there. I can just go ask them, how did you do that? So I, I just want to thank you for that because it's it's life changing. Well, thank you. It, it means the world to hear that. And, and it's what I wake up to do each day. It's, it's the, I have the most fun teaching in, in that mastermind and being a part of the mastermind as you all's friends and peers. And, you know, you mentioned getting in the room and the truth is I wouldn't even know you today if you didn't first get into Jack Canfield's room with my wife years ago. And it's just That's so right. neat how the world comes full circle, right? I mean, these are mm -hmm. seeds that turn into crops years later. And you're one of the brightest, one of the happiest, one of the smiliest people I could ever imagine being around. And that adds a lot to my life. So perfect equal energy exchange. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm so grateful that you're willing to share a lot of this knowledge for free because if, you know, not everybody can afford massive trainings. So if, every, if anybody wants to learn how to write and publish their children's book from Miriam and Jack Canfield, go to miriamlaundry.com forward slash free training. Miriam, thanks a million for being on. It means the world to have you on and that you'd come on and share all this information. And you're just the best. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.